Is it your favorite subject, death? Anybody likes dying to themselves? Come on, don't lie in church. Well, since 1930, there's been an incredible advance in the lifespan in the United States. Today, the average man lives to be uh, 74 years old, whereas in 1930, he lived to be 58. The average woman's lifespan today is 80 years, where in 1930 was 62 years. So because of advances in medication, advances, maybe all the preservatives we're eating, <laughs> I don't know, them steroid-filled chickens, I mean, whatever it is, I mean, there's all kind of debates, but because of something, we're living longer today, right? But there's one thing that we can't get away from, and that's death, right? You know, the Bible says that we're all appointed to die once, but after this comes the judgment. So look at your neighbor and say, you're going to die one day. You have an expiration date. Amen? But it's very important to get an accurate picture of what the Bible says about death. And the Bible says that death is not of God. Amen? Death is not of God. In fact, death is an enemy. Say that. Say, death is an enemy. In, in John 11, we pick up the story of Jesus and his buddy Lazarus. You remember Jesus and Lazarus, the story of Lazarus? Jesus, basically, him and his disciples are off doing the work of the ministry, and they get word from one of Lazarus' sisters, or his sister, and she says, would you hurry up and come? Lazarus is sick. He's getting ready to die. And so Jesus says to his disciples, no, we're going to stay here. But, but Lord, they just said your buddy's dying. You're not going to go see him? Mm -mm. You remember this? His disciples were taken back because they had never seen Jesus do this before. Right? Anytime anybody ever came to Jesus and needed a healing or a miracle, he did what? He did it. Right? But this one time he goes, no, just hang tight. <laughs> I would have been like, huh? And so he waits a day or two, then he goes, okay, it's time to go. Lazarus is dead. <laughs> and his disciples are freaking out, right? I mean, wouldn't you be freaking out? So let's go to John 11, verse 32. We're going to pick the story up. Jesus makes it to the, to the place where Lazarus was, and it says, When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you only had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. Now, what's he getting angry about? Who's he mad at? He didn't show up. Are you seeing this? I want you to pick up on the attitude that Jesus has about death this morning. So let me read that again. It says, a deep anger welled up within him. And he was deeply troubled. And he asked the question, where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. If you ever need to memorize a verse in the Bible, that's the verse you need to memorize. Jesus wept. Shortest one. Okay? Start there. The, the people who were, who were standing nearby said, you see how much he loved him? But some said, this is the man that, that healed the blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Verse 38, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Jesus is angry that Lazarus died. But he knew Lazarus was going to die. Right? He got the news. Jesus isn't death, right? He gets the news that, that Lazarus is going to die, but he waits until he dies, and then he goes, and he's angry about something. 
Now, what the Bible doesn't tell you is what this word angry really means. It means to almost snort like a stallion. You ever seen a stallion that just gets bowed up and just kind of, I want to do the whole snorting thing, but I'm scared something's going to come out, you know. So it's kind of, just a, you follow me? It's kind of a, just here's the enemy. I'm face to face with the enemy death. And it's as if Jesus, he was angry, but it was like a bowed up kind of anger. Are you hearing me? The Bible doesn't give us that when we just read it. If you study the Greek, it tells you that it's much like a, a stallion that when a stallion gets angry. So verse 39, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted. How many of you have been watching the series The Bible on Sundays? You've seen where, where Jesus and Lazarus, you've seen that whole, yeah, come on, have you, did you see that? Was it not right? I mean, he went into the tomb. This is what the Bible, the Bible, the series on TV showed, that he walked into the tomb and he kisses Lazarus on the forehead. And then Lazarus gets up, and my kids are going, that ain't right. Daddy, that ain't right. Because they've learned in children's church that Jesus stood at the opening of the, of the tomb and he said, Lazarus, come out. It's like when your kids have blown it. Right? And you've had enough. Ethan! <laughs> now, my wife never does that. It's always me. But, but you've got to see the emotion that Jesus has at this moment. Right? Remember, he's angry. He's like a stallion. He's snorting. He's, he's bowed up and he's ready. Why? Because he's facing his enemy. Because you've got to understand that Jesus came to put death to death. The spirit of death was going to be defeated when Jesus went to the cross. Amen? So he knew the enemy he was facing. And so there's a reason that, that he let Lazarus die. And if you understand the way he prayed, he said, Lord, I'm praying this out loud so that everyone will know that you sent me. In other words, I'm doing this so people can see your power. Right? So he shouts, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus comes out. And he says, unwrap those things off of him. And there he is. He's alive. What an amazing story. I bet his disciples were just like boggled. Could you imagine being one of Jesus' disciples? The conversations you had behind his back? Dude, come on, man. Are we supposed to be following this guy? I mean, he knew he was going to die. And then he gets, he gets all crazy. I mean. Most people see death as an event or a condition, right? We see death as an event or a condition. But the Bible portrays death as a little different, in a little different way. Death is a person. Revelation 6.8 says this, says, I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death, and his companion was the grave. The Bible describes death as a person, as a being, as a spirit. 
Revelations 20.14 says that then, then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. Are you seeing this? You see how the Bible describes death that we're talking about this morning. So how does death rule on this earth? The original ruler of planet earth was Adam, right? Adam was the original ruler of earth. Go back to Genesis. God created everything. Then he created Adam and he says, Adam, I give you, I give you dominion. I give you rule over everything that I've created, right? So Adam was ruling the earth. He named all the animals. He, he did all these things. He got to live in the garden. What an incredible place. With one thing, God said, do not eat from this tree. I'm like, dude, you had everything in the garden. I mean, you want to go knucklehead? Right? But Adam ruled the earth because God gave him the rule over the earth. We say, well, pastor, I thought God ruled the earth. You're right. God does rule the earth, but Adam ruled the earth also. Okay, that doesn't make sense. You got to understand it in real estate terms. Adam leased the earth from God. Do you understand what a lease is? A lease is when, when somebody who owns the house and, and you come in and you say, I want to, I want to either lease purchase or I want to, to run this, I want to live here. You say, okay, I want you to sign a lease. The lease means that you have now the authority to live here and to run the air conditioning where you want, right? You have the authority to do whatever you want in this house. I'm still the owner, right? But you're leasing it. And a good, a good leasee or a good, a good owner doesn't come and harass you, right? He lets you live in your house. So Adam, in a sense, was leasing the earth from God. Are you, are you following me here? Did I lose you? God still owns the earth. God still rules the earth. But Adam was the ruler, the one given authority over the earth. Okay? You get that? Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock and the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Romans 5.14 says, Still everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did, did not disobey an explicit command of God as Adam did. Death began with Adam. Death began with Adam. Who made death king? Did God make death king? Did God create all these beautiful things and then turn control over it over to death? No, he gave ruling power to Adam, who in turn sinned. Are you following me? He willfully, knowingly sinned against God. He was given a sp one specific thing not to do. He understood it and he knew better but he willfully went and did it. And then death took over rule of planet Earth. You got this? You see how it happened? Romans 5.12 says that when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Isn't it funny, but the choice didn't just affect Adam, did it? 
I said the choice didn't just affect Adam, did it? It affected every one of us still today, right? You know, the, the oldest known living dog <laughs> had a lifespan of 29 years. You think that's amazing. Watch this one. The oldest known living cat had a lifespan of 36 years. I'm like, what's up with that? The dog couldn't kill the cat? That's just not right. Polar bears have been known to live for 42 years. Goldfish, 49 years. Yeah, and them suckers get big, too. Horses, 62 years. Chimpanzees, 59 years. Elephants, 86 years. Sharks, 200 years. Galapagos, 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 tortoises, 190 years. An eel in southern Sweden, born in 1859, still lives today. Trees and plants live even longer. You've heard of the sequoia tree? The sequoia tree in, in Sequoia National Park is over 311 feet tall. Its diameter of base is 36 feet from one side to the other. That's not around. That's from one side to the other side. <laughs> if that tree was to be cut down and, and, and milled into one by 12s, you could stretch it 119 miles. It lost a branch several years ago. The branch itself was six foot, six foot thick and 140 feet long. That's its branch. Make sure that's big. Isn't that crazy? But there's a conflict. Some of you are thinking, I thought since God made the earth that it was his. Not Adam's, going back to the lease. He gave authority to Adam. Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and its people belong to him. How can it be God's and Adam's? Because God gave Adam the authority to run the earth. Amen? So, so leases don't last forever. They all have an expiration date, right? If you lease something, sooner or later it's going to be over with. Matthew 8, 28 and 29 says that when Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gadarenes, two men who were possessed by demons met him. They lived in a cemetery and were so violent that no one could go through that area. They began screaming at him. Why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come to torture us before God's appointed time? You see, the demons know that there's an expiration date. They're fully aware that God's going to do something and it's going to be over with. And notice that they call him the Son of God. When 80 times in the New Testament he was called the Son of Man. So the question is, is he the Son of God or is he the Son of Man? The answer is yes. But you see, the reason Satan and the demons didn't want to call him the Son of Man is because they didn't want to believe or receive that Jesus came in the form of a man. Why? Because death ruled the earth when Adam sinned, right? But Jesus coming in the form of man was going to put death in the grave. That's what made the demons scared. That's what made the devil scared. That's why he says, why do you come to torture us? The devil doesn't want to admit that Jesus became a man because it's a big deal. 
1 Corinthians 15, 21 says, You see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. This is where we get into the victory part. Because of Adam, death ruled the earth. But because of Jesus, there's now a resurrection from the dead. Amen? If you understand salvation truly other than just being a prayer that you pray at some church service because you had this ooey-gooey feeling in your heart, when you really understand salvation, salvation is when God takes you from spiritual death into spiritual life. It's not going from being a bad person to a good person. It's spiritual death into spiritual life. That's what Jesus died on the cross for. He didn't die to make bad people good. He died to make dead people alive. Amen? He died to give us a resurrection over this spirit of death that Adam allowed into the earth. Amen? That's why it's so important that Jesus goes to the grave. That's why it's so important that he dies on the cross. That's why it's so important that he sheds his blood. Amen? You know, when Jesus was born, death tried to take him out in Bethlehem, but he escaped. When he preached in his hometown, they tried to throw him off of a cliff, but he walked through the middle of the crowd. In the temple, his enemies tried to grab him and kill him, but he turned and disappeared. In the Sea of Galilee, the storms raged while he was asleep, but he woke up and silenced the storm, didn't he? The book of Mark says that when he was in the wilderness, he was surrounded by wild animals, but he had the authority perfect picture is Daniel in the, in, the, in the den with the lions. Christ took death's power away. Christ took death's power away. You know the night Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane He doesn't stop them from arresting him. All these other times he escaped death, right? But he doesn't stop them. They come and he willfully goes. I believe that Jesus was in the garden. Remember he says he was so pressured and so stressed that he was sweating blood. You remember that? Now I've never sweat blood before. Has anybody ever sweat blood? Now I've sweated and bled before at the same time, but it's different. But this is literally blood coming out of the pores of your skin. I believe it was because the humanity side of him or the human side of Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. Why? Because it was going to hurt. Because it's death. Right? But the God side of him said, no, we're going. And I believe that there was a wrestling going on in the garden. And I believe when Jesus decided, he said, Lord, can you take this cup from me? But if not, I'll go. I think what he was asking is, Lord, is there any other way? Are you sure this is the only way? To have resurrection over the death is if I go to the cross. And I believe when God whispered in his ear and said, yes, I think that's when he stood up and he said, okay, let's go. And they came and he willfully went. I mean, he escaped death his whole life. He raised the dead to life. He caused the blind to see. He did all these miracles. He could have saved himself. They even shouted, if you're the, if you're the king of, of God, if you're the son of God, can't you not save yourself? I bet Jesus was sitting there going, boy, if you just knew what I could do. (laughs) Right? But he went to the cross willfully. 
Hebrews 2, 9, 14, and 15 says that what we do see is Jesus who was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. Say everyone. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Isn't that good? Only this way. Christ took death's power away so that we could live. Amen? He took the power of death away. Why should, be, why should we be excited today? Why should this be a victorious day? Because this is the day that we received freedom. That's what we're celebrating. We're not celebrating the death side of it. We're celebrating the resurrection side of it. Amen? We're celebrating the fact that what God said was going to happen even thousands of years before Jesus came, that it actually happened like he said it was going to happen. That God kept his promise to one day bring us freedom. To one day give us a way into heaven. Amen? There's no greater day than today. I love Christmas, but I love Easter. I love Reese's chocolates too, but it's, I love Jesus more. Amen? You can have all the Jesus you want and not upset your stomach. Too much Reese's chocolate and boy, let me tell you. I don't know how that ties together, but, but that's what we're celebrating today. Amen? So what do you do with this now? What do you do with the fact that, that Jesus defeated death and you now have everlasting life? Or, or if you're here today and you're not, you've not given your life to Jesus, you have, now have the uh, ability to give your life to Jesus. There's an open door for you. What do you do with this now? You live like somebody that's been saved. Amen? You live like somebody who has spiritual life. You live like Jesus rose from the grave. It's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to live like it. Amen? Knowing that, knowing that all, you know what I'm saying, is going to break loose against you at any moment. Like when Jesus left the, the garden and he said, let's go, let's do this. Living in courage. Living in faith. Not afraid to die a physical death. Amen? The only death we should fear is if there's some kind of spiritual death. If there's something that we could do to lose our salvation, we got into that last week. But not physical death. I think it was Paul that said, I'm not afraid for somebody to take my life. I just want to be with Jesus. Amen? So what do you do with that? You live like, like Jesus rose from the grave. You live like the resurrected. Amen? We said last week how there should be a, a change in you. When you gave your life to Jesus, it's like being hit with a Mack truck. I got me one that doesn't fall over as easy. There should be something different about you. Amen? Something different. You know, for years I got more excited about eggs and candy than I did about Jesus' resurrection. Can I be honest with you? 
At Christmas, I get more excited about presents than I would the fact that my salvation was born that day. Can I just be honest and say that I've done that? Can I be honest and say that I've lived my life in a way that doesn't reflect Jesus rising from the dead? Can I also tell you that I didn't stay that way? Amen? So wherever you're at today, wherever you find yourself in this whole situation, in your life, whether you're walking with Christ or you've, you've fallen asleep, so to say, in the kingdom, or, or maybe you don't even know Christ and you're still living in that spiritual death, wherever you find yourself today, it's okay that, you wear, that you're where you are. It's just not okay to stay there. Amen? If you're walking with Christ and life is great, man, keep on going. If you've lost yourself somewhere in the middle and you've slipped away in your relationship from Jesus, man, come back in. He's waiting. It's like Pastor Josh said. It's, he's, he's waiting for us. He's, he's waiting for us to just lift our hands and say, Lord, here I am. Get back into that relationship. There's nothing holding you back. If you've sinned, if, you've, if you disgrace God, all you got to do is repent, ask him to forgive you, confess your sin. The Bible says he cleanses you from all unrighteousness, and boom, you're right back in. Amen? And it's not him that's holding you out. It's your sin. It's your guilt. It's your shame. When he says, shame off of you. Amen? Can you stand up with me this morning? We just lift our hands towards heaven in some way, shape, or form. And Father, we just come to you this morning. Jesus, we thank you for resurrection power. We thank you that you defeated death, Lord. That you opened up a way for us to enter into spiritual life and to leave spiritual death behind. Lord, help us to live like the saved. Help us to live like the risen from the dead. Help us to live like the spiritually alive and not the spiritually dead, Lord. Put an excitement in our heart. Put a spirit of joy on us, Lord, that in every situation we go into, we walk with courage. And we walk with power, knowing that you are with us, you are for us and not against us, and that death has already been defeated, and that we're living in victory and not in, in defeat. And thank you, Lord, that we can live that way and we can have that freedom. Help us, Lord. Help us to live that way. Not just on the outside, Lord, but on the inside. May the outside just reflect what's going on on the inside. For those of you that are here today and you've, you've fallen away from Christ, you've, you've slipped in your relationship with him, I just want you to take this moment and just, just ask him to come back in. Just say, Lord, can I come back in? Lord, I'm sorry. And you can say what you're sorry for. Lord, I, would you forgive me? I want to be back in a, a, a life-giving relationship with you. I want to be in your presence again, Lord. Set my soul on fire. Place my feet on your rock, Lord. For those of you that don't know Christ, you've never given your life to Jesus, today is the day. Just right there where you are, just say, Lord Jesus, I, I, I don't understand everything I'm supposed to say, but, but what I want you to understand is 
is that I need you in my life. In fact, Lord, I give you my life. It's right there where you are. Just surrender your life to Jesus. Lord, I'm a sinner, lost and dying. And I know and understand that I can have spiritual life in you, Jesus. Would you give me this spiritual life? So, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this great victory we celebrate today. Thank you that you loved us enough that when you wrestled in the garden, when you prayed, Lord, thank you that you went anyway. Thank you that you defeated the flesh and you went on and went to the cross and for the beatings and the scourgings and the spitting, Lord, and the cursing and the all the things, Father. All the way to the point of death, Father. Thank you. Thank you for this new life we have. Filled with the fruits of your spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, Lord. Thank you that your word says there's no regulations against how much of that fruit we can produce. Lord, help us to be some fruity people. Thank you for this great and glorious day. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give him just a big shout this morning? Come on. Come on. Give him a shout. I don't hear nobody shouting. Thank you, Lord. Some of you shouted louder when the Saints won the Super Bowl. But that's all right. You're going to get it one day. Would you tell somebody hi and tell them it's good to see them and tell them happy Easter and just love on somebody. Just take a moment. Thank you so much for being here. We love you. God bless you. If you didn't receive one, the ushers have a, an announcement card telling you of, of next month's events. So look at this and be ready. we got a lot of things coming up. And one other announcement, and you'll get a text message on this from Etage this week. But Wednesday night, for our, our uh, Wednesday night meetings we have on the first and third Wednesday of every, every month, this Wednesday we have an opportunity to do an outreach. I had an outreach come up. All of a sudden, a lady came to me and asked if we could, we could help the city out. And it's, it's part of a Keep, Keep Eunice Beautiful campaign. And so they gave us a block to clean. So this Wednesday night, we're going to meet at 6.30 like we always do. We're going to have bags and gloves and water, and we're going to peel out of here, and we're going to take off and go to that block, and we're going to clean it up. And It's just an opportunity for us to show up in the city. So I encourage you to be here. I'm asking for all hands on deck. Make, make a way. Whatever you got to do, be here this Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night at 6.30. Can we do that? Come on, it's an opportunity. God gave us an opportunity to reach out. We're going to do it. So we love you. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you.